Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio inside Max 6 Conscious Workspace in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. I'm your host and Phoenix Business Radio studio owner and CEO, Karen Nowicki, and I am ecstatic about today's conversation. It is one that uh, I think we've all been having in our homes and our businesses, and I've gathered a handful of uh, amazing professionals to have this conversation collectively today around this pandemic, COVID-19, this new work from home situation, and everything that really kind of gets bundled into that. We're experiencing emotions. We're experiencing, you know, different feelings around productivity. Where does trauma fit into this? And and should we as business owners continue to market and manage our projects effectively so that we can move forward in our business? So on that note, we're just going to springboard into this conversation and see where it takes us today. I'd like to first welcome to the show Kelly Lorenzen. She is the Marketing and Project Management Concierge with KLML Consulting, and she'll be co-hosting this segment with me today. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Thrilled to have you. And Kelly, you and I were the ones who kind of decided that we needed to have this segment with some of the people that we look to for answers and wisdom. And I want to thank you again for that because uh, you said we, we need to have this conversation that, that, so that more than just you and I can be in on it. Yeah? Yes, absolutely. I'm excited to have everybody on today. Me as well. So on that note, let me go ahead and also introduce to you the other women on our panel, if I can call it that. We have with us trauma mentor Julie Gustafson with JMG Consulting. Welcome back, Julie. Good afternoon. So happy to be here. Thank you for being here. And you and I have had an occasion to work together a handful of times, again, at Kelly's suggestion that we connect when we had gone through personal tragedy this last half a year. And um, I've learned so much about trauma and my physical body and my soul and how to release it. So we couldn't help but think that you would be the perfect mentor and guide to come in and talk about this. Because really, wouldn't you say that with this new situation that we're experiencing worldwide, that I'd imagine some people's trauma, past trauma that they hadn't dealt with, in addition to maybe this itself being a new traumatic experience or is showing up for people. Absolutely. A lot of people very triggered uh, through this time, worried about illness, loss of job, so many things. And so, yeah, absolutely seeing a lot of people that this has triggered a lot of trauma for them. Yeah. Well, we're glad that you're here. And also with us today, productivity coach Margot Crawford with Wave Productivity. Welcome back to the show, Margot. Thanks so much for having me today. It's, yeah. it's been a while, but I'm thrilled to have you here. I was, I was laughing before we went on air that uh, Jacqueline Destrems, I think um, you, the two of you had been on a show together at the old studio. So it's been over two years, and yet you and I kind of swim in the same pond. So I'm thrilled to have you and really looking forward to having your insight around productivity. And what are you seeing, just briefly before we kind of kick, kick into this, with your clients? Uh, how are people seeming to handle this, this, new, this new situation we're in? So I think where people get confused is they'll say, I'm working remotely now. And that's actually not true. Working remotely is lots of fun. You get to have coffee meetings. You get to work at co-working spaces like Max 6. Um, you're interacting with lots of people. What we're really doing is working from home during a crisis. And during a crisis, we're going to show up in different ways with trauma, with triggers. Um, how do we show up as leaders? And I think Jen can really speak to that. 
That's a great reframing. And I think that really is uh, what we're going to be doing a lot of in our conversation today is getting, uh, helping people settle in to how how they want to think about this, the healthy way of doing that. So great, great way to kick it off to introduce Jen as well. And Jen uh, is here at Max 6 with me. She is the Vice President and Director of Programs with Max 6 Conscious Workspace. Jennifer Borwell, thank you for coming. So excited to be here. Thank you for having this important conversation. Yeah, when I say Jennifer here is here with me, so I'm in my studio, and then she's, I don't know how many, 15 feet or so across the hallway and through the kitchen to her office. We got to wave and say hello, you know, in a safe distance. And Jennifer, you, this is your first uh, day back to Max 6. You've been working from home and managing a household full of kids. Yeah, it's uh, turned my world upside down, that's for sure. Um, I have three under five. Um, one with special needs. So I have an autistic son. And so on top of my, um, all of my work, it's been navigating school like a lot of people, um, but also navigating special needs programs and therapies and how to get all of that done. Um, and then my husband um, is also working from home and we've never spent this much time together. So it's navigating all of that. And on the positive side, I've picked up a lot of new skills um, that I'm hoping we can transfer when we come out the other side of this. So it's, it's been an interesting experience for sure. Excellent. And again, that's a great example of someone who's making this work for you, right? You're not without your challenges. I think each of us could speak to some of the unique things that we have going on. I mentioned the trauma we had experienced as a family just, you know, five months, four or five months leading into this. And I continue to look at how can I find the silver lining in this, right? Jen, you used a phrase that I use a lot when I talk about well, I was using it, our world turning upside down, or some people will say when the shit hit the fan, right? That's like, mm-hmm. how, what, what are we referring to? How do we refer to this thing that we're dealing with? And when we come to mindset, we have to really manage how we're telling ourselves what this is. And I know Margo alluded to that as well. So Jen already shared kind of how she's managing everything. I would love for each of you professionally and personally, give us a little insight as to what's been showing up for you and, and how's it going so far. Margo, do you mind sharing next? Sure. So I have a, a wonderful cousin who I consider to be a niece. She is in the Boston area working in an ICU unit right now and doesn't have the proper PPE equipment, personal um, protection equipment. And so it's extremely stressful for the family to kind of carry that, to know that she's going into work doing the best that she can, but isn't given the equipment that she needs. And we're under a lot of stress in, in hopes that she will will be okay and be able to manage her patients. Wow. Thank you to her and all of our, obviously, folks on the front line. I've been watching a few documentaries and and connecting with a few people in my circle and sphere who are serving in a medical capacity, and they're exhausted, exhausted. And and so many, as you pointed out, don't have the correct equipment. And uh, we were fortunate to do a episode on Friday with Arizona Tech Council and two doctors, uh, both of research and practice at University of um, Tucson and, or excuse me, yeah, University of Arizona in Tucson. And I was fascinated to learn more about the actual virus itself, what's needed to truly be protected, the the projection for how long we're going to have to be dealing this with this. So 
I love that you bring our, our medical professionals into the conversation. And when we have that podcast, I strongly encourage folks to listen to some of the great things that are happening as a result and the hope that we have, but also some of the challenges that we're, we're faced with, especially as some states are starting to open up. Georgia opened up on Friday, I believe it was, and I think Florida and a couple other states. So it's fascinating just to kind of see where everybody's headed with this. Uh, Julie, how's everybody holding up in your world? Um, well, pretty well. Well, <laughs> in, my per- <laughs> in my personal world, um, I do get a lot of clients that call in that, um, that I talk to more than do trauma work with right now, just because, you know, having that closeness one-on-one right now isn't really smart. But the conversations that we're having are very like, this need to return to normalcy. Like it's almost hard. Like you feel like you're living in this like transition of, well, things are going to go back to normal. Are they going to go back to normal? I'm totally out of my game, even though they're working and stuff. It's, I mean, just like Jen was saying, they have their kids at home and, you know, or some is just like, this isn't my normal schedule. I'm not getting to the gym. I'm not getting, so it's, it's bringing up all of this anxiety inside them. And so it's, it's interesting to talk to them and just allow them to, to know that, first of all, you're not alone because when we are quarantined, sometimes we start to feel like, is there a world out there? <laughs> and there is definitely a world out there and everyone's kind of going through the same thing. So it's been, it's been really interesting and also wonderful to connect with these people and just let them know that there is still, we're, we're all feeling the same thing. Yeah. There's no one way to feel with it. When we, when we talk about grief and loss, and, and we're encouraged to recognize that everybody grieves and experiences loss, you know, differently and at their own pace and their own evolution, this most certainly can apply to this situation as well. Yeah, it triggers a lot of pain, suffering. There's a lot of stuff that's triggered through this. And so, like always, all that wonderful anxiety and, and depression like to sprout up. So, yeah, I'd love to bring it back to you after we hear from Kelly. Kelly, how are things going on with your family and your clientele? Good, actually. I think I like the saying I saw the other day that we're all in the same storm, but not all in the same boat, right? So some of us have had major traumas in our life that this seems, you know, less than, right? Um, There's still, this is still a trauma and it's still going to have to be talked about. But I think that depending on where you came from, depending on what you've had in your past, you, you talked about it, Karen, you've had stuff even recently. We've had stuff for so long, so many traumas that this is feels okay because we're home. <laughs> All I have to do is stay home and hang out with my kids and, and help clients on, you know, online. And I just put signs up. I tease. I have signs up on my doors that say video call in progress is <laughs> the new normal, right? <laughs> is to have signs up. The only person that can't read the sign is the dog. So sometimes the dog comes in and joins our conversation. <laughs> but to know that everybody is feeling differently about it and it changes daily, right? So sometimes it feels fine and sometimes it, it doesn't feel fine and sometimes it feels traumatic and sometimes it feels, eh, this is not a big deal. So I think it's just knowing that everybody's in a different boat and everybody's feeling differently about it. You know, that Jen talked about, um, I loved how she talked about it in her last couple of weeks. Max six have been really good about providing webinars and stuff for leaders, you know, and how, how we navigate this in the community. So 
Jen, I'd love to have you tell everybody a little bit about that, but we're all um, dealing with this differently. For sure. Jen, go ahead. Yeah. And Kelly, thanks for bringing that up. There was a lot of things in there that um, reminded me of some of the things that we're seeing and experiencing. And so what I've been talking about on my webinars is the five stages of grief and that model that we're all pretty familiar with. That's been converted to a change model. So any change, you're still grieving. Um, And so it was a really interesting perspective of these are the pattern that we're going to see. So it's similar to the grief. However, everybody is not a linear. That's a problem with five stages of grief, right? Everyone assumes it's a linear process. Well, it's not linear. You can go forwards and backwards through the different stages and everybody does it at different times. And so we're all experiencing the same experience, but we're reacting to it very differently based on all of the things that Kelly was talking about. And one thing, so I think about this a lot. I study it. I talk about it. I teach it. I like to think that I'm pretty well-versed in it. However, I have to share a story, Karen, of your post that you posted, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, maybe, about people getting upset at people going to Home Depot. And it was so, it was such a like stop, stand still, oh my gosh, moment for me because myself, I was sitting there and I would drive by like on the way to go store and I would see crazy lines at Home Depot Lowe's and I was getting frustrated. I was like, come on, Arizona, we can do better than this. And I was literally thinking about a post in my head. And then I came across Karen's post, divine intervention, perhaps, and the universe sharing something with me. And Karen's post was the other side of it, was perhaps... People are doing these home projects or going and getting gardening supplies because it's the only way that they're surviving this. Perhaps it's their um, escape and that's what they need to do for their own mental health. So who are you to judge what anybody else is doing? And we are, if you w- live with the premise of we're all doing the best that we can, you have to, for me, it was, wow, I think that I'm, you know, this amazing, non-judgmental, open understanding person. And I I absolutely wasn't. So it was a great blind spot for me. And it was a great reminder that what someone else is doing, like I've been observing how it's impacting myself, why someone else's actions are so impactful and threatening to me right now. And I think the only thing I can come to enjoy, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is it really comes from when you're feeling afraid or unsure or uncertain, that's when these things start to come up. So if nothing else, Karen, you uh, pointed out some more self-work that I needed to be doing. So I, I really appreciate that perspective. Well, I appreciate you mentioning that. And just know that every time there's a post like that, there is self-reflection that comes from it as well. So like you, I'm a work in progress. And I'm certainly one who judges, I think, just as much as anybody else. And then I've learned, right, to keep it in check and to, to hold up the mirror and look to see, like, where is this where is this a reflection of me? When I'm in, in fear, like you mentioned, or I'm angry, any of those, what I would kind of deem neg- uh, negative or difficult emotions, I'm not in trusting, I'm not in faith. And that's when I start pointing the finger outside of myself. So I appreciate you sharing that. But again, for me, it was, it was no different. I had the same aha and then just decided to, to mention it. Jennifer and I both mentioned Julie. And I said a moment ago, I really would love to hear Julie speak to Let's define trauma based on your experience and wisdom as well. And then we can be kind of begin to, to go a little deeper into our conversation and bring all of us there. But I think it'd be a great place to start since Jennifer kind of poked at it with the conversation around grief. Yeah, um, I actually really love that she brought that up. I love that post also. A couple things came to mind. First of all, when we are triggered in a situation, which means 
you know, for some people, we're just generally going on with life. This is kind of a big deal. And so people are triggered. That trigger uh, brings up either a flight or fight response, which means that we're either emotional or we're angry. And so you can see that, um, that those, which if we could get into regressive work at all and these emotional children inside us. So when we're triggered, it's usually an emotional child inside us that where the trauma has occurred and where a shock has occurred, that that child is triggered. And so that child is acting, right? That child is either afraid or that child is angry with whatever's happening whether we're driving past Home Depot or we see something on Instagram or Facebook and all of a sudden we have this great opinion about what other people are doing. It's, it's amazing because we really do need to do a self-reflection and say, why is, why is this making me so angry? Right. And generally, I mean, I guess if you're not first in trauma, <laughs> you're not going to know that those are little children inside us. You know, I always say we live in a world of emotional children. So how we react in those different circumstances are those children coming out that are either deathly afraid or very angry. I have a quote that I just grabbed from my little notebook here, and I can't remember where I saw it. I know who it's from. It's Dr. Robert Block, and it may have been a post by one of you, actually. Adverse childhood experiences are the single greatest unaddressed public health threat facing our nation today. And you're all nodding your head. I have chills from the tips of my toes to the top of my head and tears in my eyes because this is really what we're talking about, Julie, right? And Oh, absolutely. And all five of us here, we've had these conversations both professionally but also very personally with each other where we've taken it upon ourselves to learn how to heal. And we've all admitted already that we're not great at it. We're not perfect at it. It's work in progress. But I think this conversation, hopefully there's somebody out there listening who may not have, have ever looked at it through that lens before, that, that if we have not had the occasion to heal the child within us, we're challenged with every little trigger that happens. Even we are already triggered. We've admit that. But at least we can go, oh, I'm triggered. <laughs> like I'm, I'm pissed as hell or I'm, I'm weepy. I can't figure out why. And then if I can separate myself from that emotion long enough, I can go, oh, okay, wait a minute. I'm still carrying some baggage around from something that, that I haven't healed yet. And that's when I go to work with Julie. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm going to read that quote one more time, and I'm going to open it up to everybody. And I know, Julie, you'd likely have more to say about this as well. But one more time, adverse childhood experiences are the single greatest unaddressed public health threat facing our nation today. And again, that's Dr. Robert Block. I, I actually will jump right in if you ladies are okay with that. Um, it's interesting because I... Um, I makes me think of this 14 year old girl that I'm actually seeing right now and talking to, um, more talking to actually. Um, she has kind of like all throughout her life been a little, um, not a little, very fearful, uh, kind of like a hypochondriac, very scared. And so this coronavirus has really thrown her for a loop. And so probably every hour of the day, she has a moment where if she has a pain or a little cough or anything, she goes into, I have coronavirus and I'm going to die, right? Because there's no like in between. It's, it's either I'm healthy or I'm going to die. And that's, that's coming from a teenage head. You know, if we're an adult who, you know, all of a sudden those fears come up, we, you know, we witnessed 
our a loss of our, a family member or a friend through illness, and it triggers all of that that fear inside us, and that is that trauma. That is trauma. Like that's why things like this coronavirus. And as you're listening to the news and stuff, and you're hearing all of these you know, cases and what's happening. And then they explain exactly what your body goes through and you can't breathe and all these things. That's triggering some pretty scary stuff inside people from past trauma (laughs) in their life. And so they don't know that little child inside doesn't know how to deal with that. And so that's where, first of all, self-reflection is, is perfect since you can't just come jump in my chair and we can go ahead and just address those babies inside there. So self-reflection to saying, okay, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out right now. Realistically, everything's going to be okay. I'm okay right now. I'm healthy. I can breathe. You know, I'm not sick. Everyone around me is okay. I can keep my environment clean. It's just kind of really taking that time to control your world. So sorry, I don't want to take up too much time. No, that, that I think I wanted you to go first because I wanted you to set the context for that. That again, my my hope is is not only are we a renewal for people listening who are already familiar with that self-reflection and have whatever modality they use to work through trauma and, and heal and and uh, continue to evolve, right, to a better version of themselves, but also that listener uh, whom, again, this might be the first time that they've had somebody, uh, you know, a, a companion and, and somebody they can look, look up to to say, listen, we're all in this together, as a few of you pointed out, and if you're having a really hard go with this, one, it's very normal. And two, there are ways to work through it. And that's really what we're saying. We're, we're here to give hope and inspiration and some guidance as to how to do that. So thank you, Julie, for sharing that. Could you speak a little bit to what happens to our bodies when we experience trauma and why it's so important to do the kind of work that you do with folks to, to get it out? What happens there? That emotion gets trapped? There's a thing called body distortion and body memory. And so when we have an incident that happens in our life, uh, you could call it the trauma. Um, I always say there's a, a point of shock, a point of impact, right? The entire thing may be traumatic, but there's one point where our body traps that feeling inside, whether the feeling is pain or fear, whatever it is. Um, and so when those things are triggered, they'll come up in our body. So like different people will feel The obvious are anxiety and depression. Body distortion feels like I'm laying on the bed and my eyes are closed, but my head feels like it's tilting all the way to the right, or my body feels very heavy, or my my leg is laying out straight, but it feels like it's you know being pushed in the opposite direction. Right? That's body distortion, and that's our body bringing up memory. So that's that shock that's stuck inside our system. And so those are, I mean, or spinning, like such as vertigo and things like that. Those are all when, when they're, when, when stress comes up, which stress is a trigger. So then our body reacts to what it's been holding inside. Right. It just like comes up and you're like, Whoa, where'd this come from? And some people will just shake it off. Like, well, that felt weird. And they open their eyes and they get moving. Cause we're really good with coping. That's pretty much how we all live. <laughs> It's just shaking it off. But for some people, that can really throw them into a, into a not a good place. Does that help at all? And Julie, when you clear that, so, so some of the positives, right, that, were, that I've talked to all of you about, you're all so good at 
describing what to do, right? So when somebody experiences something like that, I mean, you know, if you haven't had you, the work with you, like we know, oh, you know, Karen and I are very good at, oh, something, something triggered that. What are we feeling? Where is it coming from, right? But for people who haven't experienced, let's say, trauma work, tell us, can you give us a few ideas if somebody starts to spin, if somebody, their anxiety goes so so high that, right, you have the fight or flight and you're not able to make judgment, good judgment, is there anything that people can do at home now, right now during this time where they read an article, they get, you know, they get spun out of control? Is there anything that they can do right now? So, yes, absolutely. First of all, understanding it. So any time that you can ever look into regressive work and um, inner child work, do it. When you are triggered, remember that when our body is triggered, okay, and we have a body memory, let's say all of a sudden I feel, I, I lay down because I just want to rest and I'm going to lay on my couch and I close my eyes and all of a sudden I start to spin, right? Because generally what happens is as soon as we, our cellular memory kind of slows, everything kind of slows, it's like, boom, that cellular memory comes up, which is that, that trauma, right? Or that shock, whatever we're holding inside us. So, oh, I'm spinning. Sometimes, so the truth is we're not spinning. We're just laying on a couch with our eyes closed, right? That's the truth. So the lie is that I'm spinning. So when we, re, when we repeat a lie, the lie will go away. So if, you, if you're laying there and you start to spin, you say, I'm spinning, I'm spinning, I'm spinning. And your body goes, wait, we're not spinning. So the spinning goes away. Now, recognizing that what brought that on is the most important part of that. Because then it's like, okay, well, I was reading this article and something in this article triggered me, right? So that's really the most important thing. Yeah, obviously, it's great to be able to take care of the symptoms as you're feeling them. My arm is heavy. My arm is heavy. My arm is heavy. My heart is racing. My heart is racing. My heart is racing, right? If it's not really happening, because the truth is, and then you say the truth, the truth is I'm just laying here. I'm comfortable. You know, everything is peaceful. Whatever I just read that triggered me, that's not happening. That's a memory. So it's all just memory coming up. Does that help? Yeah, absolutely. Jen, can you speak to how you said about the fight or flight and getting out of that? Yeah, sure. So um, when we are in, when we've been triggered and we feel stress in our bodies, um, our amygdala is pumping stress hormones all throughout our body cortisol, adrenaline, all of those things, which are really helpful if you're being chased by something or you need to survive or you're really in threat. Um, but it can be tri triggered just like Julie was talking about. Um, you read an article on the internet and it really upsets you. It triggers something. Those same hormones are being released in your body um, and they can take up to four hours to clear. So if you are not aware of it and you don't have a mindful practice or um, you don't have things that you can go to, um, it, those stress hormones will sit in your body. And so you can't think clearly. You have less oxygen to your brain. Things that are, would normally be a small thing turns into a huge thing when you're under in this state. So one way to help yourself get out of it more quickly is to figure out what are your enablers? What, what are the things that help you feel calm and peace? So is it meditation? Is it going yoga? Is it walking around the block? Is it simply taking a couple deep breaths, putting your feet on the ground and feeling grounded? Is it doing exactly what Julie said? 
you know, taking inventory. Okay, what do I know right now? I know that I'm safe. I know that I'm okay. And really walking your body through that um, can be helpful. And the more that you can do that, the shorter time um, you can decrease your stress levels and your, your hormone levels. Um, but it still does take time to clear. So some things to think about is, you know, if you do have a stressful situation or if you're aware enough to say, wow, I'm really triggered right now, don't go and make a big decision 30 minutes later, you know, put those off a little bit. Don't have a really difficult conversation with your spouse or your employer or a coworker because you're not necessarily in the right um, state of mind. So just making sure that you are aware of your own, where you are um, and how you can time block your and manage your energy um, more effectively. Love that. As you're sharing, Jen, I think of another thing that I've seen on social media, um, especially with so many people who are parenting, right, at the same time that they're trying to manage a work-from-home situation. And I've read a couple of these manifestos, like those open letters to all the parents. And, and I'm saying this kind of sassy on purpose, uh, but we're like, hey, it's okay if you stick your child in front of the TV all day long. You know, we're all going through this. So, you know, not, not a problem. Don't feel guilty. And part of me agrees that we've got to um, be a little lighter on ourselves because this is so new and so different. And we have so many different things coming at us and learning how to manage it. And at the same time, and I'm kind of gearing this towards um, asking Margot to, to speak up as well as everybody, because of course we want to hear from you. But I, I'm a little frustrated when I see that because I see when I'm in a healthy place, right, that this opportunity right now is to be self-reflective and, and come out of this a better version of myself. So if I'm going to put Ivan in front of the TV all day long and not, you know, get him geared towards studies or those sorts of things, yeah, there's days that I, I need that because that I am coping. I have no other strategy. And at the same time, what we're talking about is there are things that you can do on your own on a regular basis to keep shifting and looking for that better way of showing up in your own life personally. So, Margot, I, I, that may not be the best toss over to you, but I, I, I chuckle when I see those because part of me says, oh, yeah, I, I need a break and I want to just throw, you know, throw caution to the wind and just say the hell with it. We're just going to go chaotic and be okay with that. But I also know for me personally, I don't do chaos well. <laughs> I need organization. I need structure. I need to be productive or I'm going to be a mess. So so there you go. Do something with that. <laughs> so part of it is having the goodwill and grace for yourself. You know, we have all pivoted really quickly in our work. And I've seen so much goodwill and grace towards the people that we work with and our coworkers and setting up an, a home office or whatever we've needed to do in our work. I think we need to bring that into our family lives as well. When we're feeling that overwhelm and stress that Jen talked about, and even the trauma that Julie talked about, we need to, what happens with our brain is we actually shut down the executive functioning. Mm -hmm. So the portion of our brain that helps us make good decisions, that allows us for future planning and being strategic, even what am I gonna do now with my kid? doesn't come clear to us because we have, uh, it, it shuts down and we have um, blocks to our own thoughts because of the chaos around us. And so it's really about, as Jennifer said, getting really comfortable, um, meditating. I use a technique called bliss. So B is breathe, take a deep breath, get oxygen to the body and the brain. L is look around, look around, just know that you're safe. I stands for I am. So I am here now. 
and move into the present moment. If you believe in God or a higher source, the I am could be, um, you know, I am looking to God for help. S is for um, sensation, smell, and then um, any kind, anything around you that is going to bring you back to the present moment. Using that technique of bliss, breathe, look, I am, and sensation can help you get to a place in the present moment where you're able to stay calm. I love that. What a great thing for easy for people to remember to bring you back to present, right? To clear those heavy emotions. Like you can't, you know, you've been so upset or whatever. You're like, it just kind of goes blurry. <laughs> like, okay, come back. Margo, I've heard lately or seen lately that, you know, people giving advice and, and good tips on staying productive. Can you tell us some of the reasons why we should stay productive and, and ways to do that? So I know a lot of people are very concerned about layoffs. They're very concerned about keeping their jobs. And in that stress and overwhelm of that, um, we all need to be productive. So we're actually getting pulled in two directions. One is stay productive, and the other one is being overwhelmed and stressed out. So making sure that you can stay productive in your day so that you can be your best self, as um, Karen said, with your family and, and with work. What I'm noticing is a lot of people are struggling, not within the nine to five, and let's just face it, we're adding about three hours of work onto our work day. So, so it's not nine to five anymore. It's you know nine to five and then seven to 10. So in that, just making sure, what is your setup in the morning? And what is your, your, your end at night? What are the bookends to your day? You know, we used to go into the office and have a commute and be able to really shift our mindset around how we were going to move within our day. And because there, our commute is now from the bedroom to the living room to sitting down at our desk, and it's only three steps, we haven't set the mindset of being productive, of planning our day. So making sure that you have really strong routines in the morning to set that up, and then also in the evening. When are you going to call it a day? When is your team going to call it a day? And what does that look like physically? Do you need to shut down your laptop, throw a tablecloth over your desk so you're not tempted to move to your desk and do work because of boredom, because there's nothing else to do? My, I have to turn off my phone, put it in a drawer in my office, and I have to lock my home office door because I, if I'm feeling uh, bored or don't, I want to avoid doing something, um, I'll go to Facebook or I'll go to you know something on social media or I'll play my word game. So I have, throughout this, this whole experience, had to say, okay, I'm catching myself. I'm using this as a, a time to unwind, but I'm not feeling any less unstressed you know, because I'm flipping through Facebook mindlessly and I'd really rather be gardening or I ought to be stretching and, and doing some yoga or something. So that, that's my routine. Shut off the phone, stick it in a drawer, lock the office door so that it's really hard. There's three barriers to entry. And that's, I'm a tough cookie when it comes to that. But I, I love your suggestion. What are some of the other strategies that you're utilizing and anybody, how are you getting through this with your own, own ways of self-care? I've been shutting my computer down completely so that, you know, I don't come back to it at, at night when I should be hanging out. You know, I love hanging out with the kids, you know, on the weekends, especially like I don't 
turn my computer on on the weekends. You know, making sure I am still working during the day, during the week, Monday through Friday. The kids know we have, you know, we have a structure. We have, everybody has to do their time for school and reading, and they have to have, you know, get their check the boxes, you know, of all the stuff I need to accomplish. Exercise, and then we can play, you know, at night and on the weekends and have some downtime. Yeah, so for us, it um, took a couple weeks to really find our, our groove. Like I said, my husband started working from home as well. And so balancing, um, in the beginning, it was balancing bandwidth, who had Zoom calls, our internet wasn't strong enough, so we had to navigate that. And then, I don't know, I don't know if it was just the, it started to become feeling a little bit normal, and we kind of found our groove. But what I do is I get up early before, um, my husband starts work at 6.30, and so I get up at like 4.45, 5 o'clock. And I do exercise. So it's usually before the kids are up. Um, I meditate. And then those quiet hours in the morning before the kids get out of bed, I really try to focus and do my big projects then. And then the kids are up. We have a team huddle. And then I transition to an hour and a half of um, school for them. But because, you know, they're younger, so they need my attention and guidance. I wish they could just read the book and check a box hopefully soon. So it's school day in the middle of, of my work day. So it's a, it's a little bit choppy. And then we work through the rest of the afternoon. My husband's day is over at um, four. And so that's usually a good stopping point for me as well. We do family time. And then Margo, I'll have to hear what you think about this. Then after family time, um, I usually jump back on my computer for an hour or two to wrap things up. Um, but I've found that that helps with my sleep because if I clear my inbox or make sure that I have the big things taken care of, I get much more restful sleep than, than worrying about it through the night. So that's been my, my coping strategy. But my husband would like me to lock all my things in drawers. And I've, I've found that work is kind of my escape from crazy. And so when things are crazy at my house or crazy in the world, I am like, oh, well, this is safe and normal and I can do something about it. And I tend to work more. So I've been really mindful about putting some boundaries in place with that. But it's been working for us. And Jennifer, I think it's great that you found your groove with your family. It does take about two to three weeks in any kind of crisis Mm -hmm. to find something that starts to feel normal. So you're right in target with that. I would say that this is not about work-life balance. We talk about balance, meaning that that somehow the scales are tipped and something is going to fail or falter when you've tipped the scales. This is really about work-life integration. So yeah, say say you knock off work at four, you can head back when the kids are asleep. It's not something that you were normally doing. You're probably at the office until four, five, six o'clock at night, and then maybe transitioned over into family life. And there was a direct line, a, a direct transition. Now our trans- transition is, you know, again, from the living room to the kitchen. <laughs> so what feels right for you? Only you can figure that out. But when you do, you start to feel a whole lot more comfortable in your routine. Creating that routine and setup can help in that. I bet that's huge for people, right? Is having that routine for productivity too, right? I'm sure you teach that a lot. Yeah, it's really how you want to have your ideal day. Every day is not going to be ideal. But if you have some guideline that you can follow, I mean, another thing that I'm really big on is lists. And not just lists for things like with trauma, especially for post-traumatic stress disorder. What are your, what's your trigger list? What are the things that you know are going to trigger you? And then sharing that list with people that you love so that they understand and they know. 
it could be a list of the things that I'm not going to do because they, they don't feel good. Like scrolling on Facebook for hours on end, have a, I'm stopping this list and what can I do instead list <laughs> that way when you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed out, you're not going to be able to think of these things because your executive functioning has shut down. So you need to go to some, something that's going to drive you and direct you can be a guideline like a routine that you follow or a list that's going to help you get back on track really quickly. Great advice. I love that. Julie, do you do you tell people to write their triggers down or talk to people about their triggers? Absolutely. If I have a one-on-one, we're obviously going to go over timelines in their life and different triggers. Um, I, I have to say, I love this. Like I asked... I could sit and listen to Jen and Margo all day, actually. I really like the, I love all of the things that they're saying. Um, it actually made me think of a couple different things. And first of all, you know, for me, I don't have small children at home. My youngest is 17 and he's pretty self-sufficient doing his work and stuff. So I, I feel for, for the moms out there that are trying to juggle working at home and having children there. But I couldn't help but think that like, even in my own life, um, when I see because I have adult children at home through this and to see that, you know, on different days, different people are triggered. And so to be mindful of them and to validate them instead of getting, I think sometimes, you know, you think about all these people who all of a sudden have transitioned into this um, home offices or homework. And some people are very organized and it's easy for them to, to be in their office, maybe not to stay focused the whole time, but to kind of, to ease into that where some people they have to go to an office because they need that like that scheduled normalcy every day. And so I think being aware of the people around us and validating them as we're talking to family members or friends who are irritated with coworkers or family members is, you know, to maybe just step back a minute and think, you know, actually I need to validate that this person's actually having a hard day, that this may be not be their their forte. So I just I know I couldn't help but think of for us to all be watching out for others also, you know, that not only are we watching within ourselves and, and keeping track of what's happening with us, but that we're open to loving others and making sure that they're okay and validated. I love that Margot kicked the show off with a very similar sentiment, right? That this is around yeah. uh, looking to see where we can give grace <laughs> and patience first and for ourselves and then everybody else around us. I, I'm one of those people that I mentioned earlier, if I don't have the desk clean first, I have a very hard time working. And it's taken years to be okay with that and not get so, you know, upset with myself when it's like that. I think that what we're saying is find those new routines for yourselves. We only have about, you know, 15 more minutes left if we do want to go to the full top of the hour. What, as you anticipated this conversation today, is there anything else that you thought our listeners would benefit from hearing based on your experiences, what you're seeing your clients uh, work through? Any other tips and suggestions that you'd like to share? I think one of the things that my clients have been struggling with is as a leader in my business, even if I'm a solo entrepreneur, um, how do I show up? How do I show up as a leader? Um, how do I show up in a way that can be profound and impactful in the work that I do? I think, you know, we were always struggling with this before, but in a crisis, it, it just is magnified. And what I've suggested to clients is, okay, what are your three top three words, how you want to show up? Mm-hmm. So 
I talked about grace and goodwill. When I'm speaking with a, with a business partner or colleague or client, I'll always think, okay, what is the grace and goodwill that I can bring to this conversation? And Jennifer, I don't know if there's any more leadership t- techniques or tips that you can share that would help um, people in, in leadership in crisis. Thanks, Margo. I love that so much. Um, that, that was what I was going to bring up is the other piece of this is how we show up as leaders and leaders we work with and what their role in this is right now. And I was on a call um, with Patrick Lencioni, who wrote Five Dysfunctions of the Team, and he's kind of a hero of ours around here at Max 6. Um, and he was doing a call on how Five Dysfunctions of a Team show up right now um, in the middle of the crisis. And he said from his perspective, and he works with the largest companies in the country and a lot of recognizable names. And then the the leadership work we work with, I've been seeing the same thing is there are two types of leaders in this situation and the leaders who are going to fare the best out of this are they are focusing on team health and building trust right now. So they are putting efficiency on the back burner. Yes, that's important. But if your people are highly triggered, experiencing trauma, stressed, concern for their job, they're not going to be very effective. And so leaders are checking in with their people. Um, And a little bit of what I was talking about earlier with the the grief stages and changing that a bit to change. So Uber used this um, and they used it before all of this when um, their CEO transitioned out of their organization. That was a huge deal for them. And what they've done is the stages that people go through in any change, because a change is a loss of something, right? You're giving up the old um, and people experience it differently. So whenever that, um, in Julie's words, that shock happens or that change occurs, people go into different stages. First, it's denial. It's, I, this isn't happening. Um, I, everything's okay. It's normal. Um, I'm not going to um, accept that it's happening. Um, then it goes into anger or um, rebellion. They talked a lot about, we can see this as people are, ignoring stay-at-home orders, they're doing what they want, their own freedom could be part of that stage. Then it goes to acceptance. Okay, I'm accepting that this is the reality. There's not much I can do. It's, but it's a little bit of a powerless state. It's just, this is what it is. And then you get to commitment, which is, okay, I'm really going to wrap my arms around this and I'm going to figure out what my quote new normal is. The thing to caution with that is it's not a linear approach. So you can be like just what we talked about. You could be in stage two, anger today, and then you could be back in denial, and then you could be all the way to commitment. Um, so it, it depends on the day, depends on what's happening. But one thing that's really powerful that leaders are doing in teams, they're looking at this model and they're using it as a communication tool to share common language, to check in with people. So in meetings, instead of jumping right in, is, hey guys, let's just check in what, what stage are you guys at today? Oh, hey, I'm, I'm at stage two. I'm really, I'm really angry about XYZ or I'm really scared, whatever the emotion is. And so leaders can understand, okay, this is where my team's at. So if everybody's in stage one or two, maybe we're not going to talk about, you know, this new initiative that we're going to watch that's more change right now, because perhaps right now isn't the time for it. So I love just to sum up what I, all of this is, I, I love what Patrick said is the greatest leaders right now are replacing efficiency for effectiveness. And effectiveness is really allowing people to be heard, seen, validated, and they're ignoring professionalism for humanism. Mm -hmm. So for so long, you know, it's, I'm in this office. I don't have this whole personal life. It's just me in my office. And it's forcing us to see, we see people's living rooms. We see people's, in my case, you see half naked toddlers running around sometimes, you know, you see dogs, you see all of that. And so the best leaders are, are embracing that. 
uh, the last piece I want to share that was really powerful on that call was they're taking this to the point of if you have to have a difficult conversation that could be triggering, they're thinking about the impacts that it has on the rest of your world. So if you are a leader and you understand where your team's at and you understand a, a, a bit about their personal life and you have to have a difficult conversation, but you know right after that call, they have to go teach their kid for an hour for school. You think about how to time it. So nowhere in this was you don't, you avoid difficult conversations. You don't talk about bad things. It was just be empathetic about when to have it, be able to plug into your team, know when's a good time, know, know what platform. Is it Zoom? Is it a phone call? Is it, you know, us outside in the park social distance um, meeting, whatever it is. So anyways, that was a long rant to say that the, the leaders that are going to come out with the strongest teams, the theory is that they have high levels of empathy and they're working on building trust with their team right now and not so much focus on quarter objectives. One thing I'd like to add to that, as you were sharing, I'm reflecting on not having to fix where somebody is, right? A great leader is going to eventually, I think, find a way to help support and move people forward. But what you're describing is really giving people permission to just be right where they're. I'm a fixer. <laughs> and so I always want to pounce, but I've learned that I've got to pull back and just like give pe people space to be. And and then you said, you know, go back and look to see when is when is the timing right for those hard conversations or or where and how can I offer suggestions to move through whatever somebody is dealing with. But but giving that that opportunity for humanity, uh, we've needed that, I think, for a long time to really just sit in our similarity. You know, we're we're all human. Really, really great share, Jen. Julie, how about you? I absolutely love that, Jen. Seriously, that is amazing. I usually get the call at the 911. <laughs> so I'm usually not, um, just in, in my experience, I think that's maybe different from you guys is that the calls, when I actually get the call or am with someone, we're at, you know, we're at the breaking point. We're at fear, anger, frustration. Um, I realize it's always being triggered by the fear of the unknown. How long is this going to last? Is this going to come back? Is this how my life is going to be now forever? You know, like, and then just reminding them to, to get re-centered really and live in the moment and be in the now. When we try to live in the future, that gives us anxiety. So, and obviously it is an unknown and it's going to continue to be an unknown. Probably we're not going to have a, a for sure when this is all going to be over or if it'll come back, we don't know. And so, but today I'm here. Today, I'm centered. Today, I'm working. Today, I'm happy. I'm healthy, right? Living in the now and being in the moment rather than worrying about what's to come. So that's, that's something, you know, for me, getting those 911 calls is just uh, centering back, just pulling back to that very moment that we're in right now. It's interesting that Kelly introduced me to you in the middle of trauma but I saw it through a lens, maybe because of Kelly's recommendation that it that it's preventative. That, you know, it's kind of how we teed it up for my twelve year old. We said, "Listen, we want you to sit and work with Julie because we know you're handling this right now really well, and we want to prevent you when you're thirteen, sixteen, twenty one, twenty nine, forty years old, whatever the timeline is, that something triggers." And you haven't dealt with that trauma in your body and in your psyche. We want you, we want to take care of that now beforehand. So I love that you shared that you're a great mentor and guide for people when they're in the thick of it. And we've also utilized you and, and I strongly recommend that so that, you know, it's preventative as well. Absolutely. 
I thought of Julie when you were talking about what I, you know, you said right now, what's today? We know today. There's a great book, um, Oprah. I got to go see her in person, but she wrote a book, What I Know for Sure. And it's a good reminder to go back to what I know for sure. I know, you know, so if you can say that to yourself over and over again, right? So all the people that are saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know this, I don't know that. What do you know for sure? I know I'm still breathing right now. I know my kids are home safe with me. You know what I mean? So I love her. She has so many quotes in that book. I literally could write a book based on her book (laughs) if I was a writer. So if people want to look that up, it's, it's what I know for sure. But she has so many great quotes in there for that specific time right now. Something that we do in conflict resolution as well, right? When you're so fit to be tied with someone and you're trying to prove your point and make sure that, you know, you get you shove your point down the, their throat and they're trying to do the same thing. We have to pull it back and take it back to the foundation. Like, what is what is the very first thing we know about a relationship? And yeah, the example that comes to mind is my relationship with my husband. The first thing that I know in a relationship is that we love each other unconditionally. So let's go back to that foundation. Can we meet there and then build the bricks, you know, layer the bricks after that? What's the next thing that we know? The next thing we know is that we're kind of pissed off at each other right now. Okay, that's like, can we acknowledge that? Sure we can. All right, then what's the next thing we know? And we can kind of layer it back and forth that way. Great, great examples. And of course, we know you love Oprah. That What a treat that was. That was recent. Margo and Kelly, I think we'll finish up with both of you. And, and maybe I, I can't remember, recall if you both have had a chance to kind of summarize or share some last thoughts. So I'll, I'll toss it back to both of you to make sure you each have an opportunity to do that. Just have grace and goodwill for yourself and others. Thank you so much for being here, Margo. What a treat to have you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> doing the same thing. Let's go ahead and, and let's, we'll, we'll have Kelly go next. But at the same time, Margo, before we um, have you close, could you please let our listeners know um, how they can find you and what's the best way to get started in working with you if that's something that they're considering? Sure. So you can go to waveproductivity.com. And on that website, there are many blogs about working productively during the pandemic. And there's also an accountability program. So if you're struggling with routines and getting work done, I've started an accountability program where people you know, can just get stuff done. I love that. We, we all need to get stuff done. I love how Margot talks about, you know, the to-do list and list listing things out, right? So instead of being on like the, the not to-dos, right? Instead of being on Facebook for two hours, what can you do right now? And I teach that to my clients is, can you work on your CRM? Can you work on your, you know, what projects have you wanted to do for two years? Do it now, right? Have the time and be, you know, be intentional about what you're working on. Get those projects done. Kelly, you want to share any last little tidbit and then let us know where we can get a hold of you as well. KLN Consulting and marketing.com is my website. Um, I've been trying a lot to put a lot of stuff on Facebook. So KLN Consulting AZ on Facebook for helpful tips for entrepreneurs on there. Kelly is a great person. I, we use her at the studio quite a bit. Uh, she's obviously a client of ours as well and hosts her own show here. But Kelly, um, one of the things that not only are you so great at marketing, but also leadership and making sure that we have that, that bigger strategic plan. So for our listeners who may be uncertain 
about where to go next. Any one of these gals are great uh, leads for you. And Kelly, in particular, as it relates to project management and taking some of that stress off of your plate and giving it to Kelly. <laughs> That's what I do, right? We do the great brain dump session. And then if there's a project that I know that either I'm not good at it or I just, I'll, I'll keep pushing off, but it's important. I'll just say, look, Kelly, can I, in actually, Max 6 is an example of that with the, the show coming up. Like, Kelly, can you handle this with Kyle and Jen? You're better at it than I am and, and I don't have the bandwidth and on off she is running. So thank you for that. Good. All right, Jennifer, how about you? Last last thoughts. I know you had a couple, which was great to summarize that whole grief piece for us. Um, and also, where can we get a hold of you? And and can we plug into some of these workshops that you guys are offering if we're not part of the Max 6 community? Yeah, thanks, Karen. Um, you definitely can. We have shared links on our Facebook page. So Max 6, M as in Mary, AC, the number six. You can like our page and you'll see um, how to get connected to the events. And you can also get more information at max6.com on everything that we do. Um, but we would invite anyone in the community who's interested in these topics. There are Zoom calls. They're recorded. So if you miss it, we can send it over to you. And my last thoughts for everyone, I, re- I really like what Margo was saying. Well, two things. First is every- I think everyone at Max 6 has worked with Margo at some point, And she is absolutely amazing. And so if you can't need help problem solving, just being better, showing up at a, as a better version of you. I can't tell you how great it's been to work with Margot. So thank you. Um, and I highly recommend it for anyone. Um, and I don't remember. Oh, my last piece of advice is just, you know, we're all experiencing the same thing, but we experience it in different ways. So kind of what I shared with, with Karen's social media post is, and also what Margot's saying, kindness and grace for everybody and where they're at. Um, there isn't really right or wrong in this. We're all feeling different things. So just kindness goes a long way right now. Awesome. Thank you. And Julie, we keep seeing you pop in and out on, on video. Are you still with us? Yes, I am. I'm sorry. My elbow hit something. And so I'm still here. Okay, good. <laughs> you can't see me. <laughs> That's all right. Well, we're getting ready to close. Tell us um, uh, any lasting thoughts. I know you've had an opportunity. And then, of course, how we can begin to work with you if people are curious and where to find you. Great. You can find me at myhealingwithin.com. Uh, I do have a great website and on there um, I have some podcasts that I've done with my partner uh, talking about trauma and regressive work. We are starting some online courses. So if you have, it's a great place to start. Once again, that's myhealingwithin.com. So I suggest you go there if you have any questions. Also, I just, I love this. I love uh, this opportunity to listen to all of you ladies. And I I think I'm going to go away with uh, grace for sure. Grace for others and kindness and loving and just remembering that we're all going through this to give love to everyone. So thank you for having me on today. Thank you, Julie, for being back again. Uh, The last little suggestion that I would have, and and it's similar. I think a lot of what we've all shared has a lot of similarity. So maybe just one way that somebody explained it over another, um, it will make sense to somebody. Setting intentions is a really important part of keeping me grounded and, and keeping me moving forward. So especially when your commute, as Margot pointed out, is so brief from, you know, the, the bathroom to the, to the home office, from the home office to the kitchen, you don't have that drive to un, unwind. Uh, pull yourself into the bathroom if you need to or stay in the office a few moments longer and 
mentally and emotionally prepare for that transition and then set that intention. Margo mentioned the three words and, and really hang your hat on that. I do that similarly. I, I look and say, okay, I'm going to have a conversation or I'm going to have a show or I'm going to work on a project and I get quiet with myself and I close my eyes and I set an intention. What is my intention? And I let that phrase or word, that intention come to me from from somewhere besides my my head, right? I, I usually kind of look to spirit for that. And once I have that intention, I know that all is well, no matter how things go. If I can continue to put my intention towards that, it's going to be exactly as it needs to be, even if it's crunchy. So with that, I want to thank you all again for being here. I have a feeling that we're going to have more of these conversations, not only during this quarantine and the pandemic, but also after that. And I hope you all be open to that with me as well. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio X, broadcasting live from within the Max 6 Conscious Workspace Studio. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.